Kindness. Yeah. Kindness really counts. The world has a shortage of it. And be an asset. Yeah. Go out there and, and figure out ways to help people. And it doesn't always mean just give money blindly to people, but your time creating experiences that can help shape somebody um, and give them a different view on the world, which will they'll take with them forever. Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet. And neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. Welcome back to this week's episode of Overcome with Justin Wren. Today's guest shares my same name, Justin. Justin Melnick, and he is an incredible human being. You might know him from SEAL Team. SEAL Team that was on CBS and SEAL Team that is now on Paramount+. Plus. It's an incredible show about the SEALs, the SEAL teams that go in and do anti-terrorism. I think that's the proper term. And we had a great conversation. You're going to really love this guy. He is a very charitable human being, a charitable soul that just puts love and compassion in action. He is a dog trainer, but also an actor that takes his dogs. I got to meet his dog, Dita. And today in studio, he had Pepper who is also on SEAL team with him, jumping out of helicopters and uh, rappelling down cliff walls and all sorts of amazing stuff. And he goes into schools with this dog and just warms the kiddos' hearts. And he does a lot for our military veterans and charities that take care of, I think it's called the Gold, Gold Star Children, the people that have lost their mother or father in service. And so he's a really, really good dude. It's a really unique story of how him and I came together and became friends. I'm really excited to share his story with you today. I think it's going to light you up. And if you're on a quest for purpose in this lifetime, you're gonna, he's going to help you find that here today. So thank you. And if you can, please uh, rate, review, subscribe to this show. Let us know your thoughts, how we can grow it. And those reviews really help us uh, hit top charts. And that's where we're headed uh, because of support from people like you. I really want this to be one of the most meaningful podcasts in the world and keep bringing very powerful guests like our guest today, Justin Melnick. So let us know. Also, in the comments, uh, send us a message on Instagram and let us know what you're thinking about the shows. Also, potential guests that you think would be a great guest and has an overcome story. 
we would love to hear some thoughts that you have, some guests you have in mind that I could sit across this table with and have a great conversation. I know that this is really benefiting my life. It lights me on fire, and I hope it's doing the same for you. Please check out plenty of our episodes. Another one that would be like this one would probably be uh, Tim Kennedy, but we also just had on Ben Greenfield. That's for health and wellness. Also, Aaron Alexander. There's a lot of great guests we've had coming through the studio. My good friend, Jared Padalecki, Rafael Lovato Jr. Please go back and check out some of our old episodes and let me know what you think. And as always, thank you to the sponsor of this show, Onnit, onnit.com slash overcome. Save yourself some money using the code overcome. And also, if you want to join our fight, uh, you can join Fight for the Forgotten at fightfortheforgotten.org. That's a nonprofit I founded. And we're getting ready to release a docuseries, at least here in Austin. We're doing a private showing of the first episode. We're going to have six episodes to come. And so I'm so grateful for all the support from our listeners of Overcome with Justin Wren. Thanks again, and welcome to the show. We're good to go. And today's Justin and Justin is brought to you by Alpha Brain. There we no go. No matter how fucking stupid you are, this will make you smarter. It will. It will. Two Justins, one shot. Square root of 144. 12. 12. Alpha shot really yes. works. <laughs> I haven't had mine, obviously. Uh, math was never my thing. But I like what you said. You're not here to promote anything. You're here to talk about how to change the world or make the world better. I like that. Your pup's in Pepper is in the house. That is awesome. So tell me what you do with Pepper. Uh, so Pepper is my police dog, who is also going to be my dog on SEAL Team since yeah. Dita's retired. So we're up here for the Texas Tactical Officers Association. We're doing an aerial canine deployment uh, as part of their SWAT demo for all the SWAT cops that flew in from around the country to come watch SWAT cops do cool SWAT shit. An aerial canine, what is it, what'd you call it? Deployment. Deployment. Yeah, so. You're jumping uh, out of the plane with dogs? Well, helicopter. Um, (laughs) I don't know at what level we're going to be doing it, whether we're going to just fly in and deploy as we touch the skids down or if we'll fast rope out of it or, uh, or hoist or short haul, but whatever they throw at us, we can handle. We'll, we'll take it as big as they want. We love, we love doing that kind of stuff. Wow. So what do you, how do you get Pepper to jump out of a helicopter? Put a bad guy in a bite suit on the ground and say, (laughs) Stellan. And how long has Pepper been in training? Pepper has been in training for about three years. Every day is training. You know, I got her her back when we were filming season three. Uh, My buddy John was sourcing dogs in Holland and found her for me and said, bro, I got the perfect dog for you. Mm. So, um... Picked her up, flew her home, did some training, sent her around to all my buddies, sent her out to my buddy Andre at Dias Canine to do the agility stuff, sent her to my buddy Ted to do uh, all the odor detection and tracking and bite work, sent her to my buddy Dustin to do more bite work and odor detection, Uh, basically kept her in the same program cycle that I did with Dita, and just an incredibly well-rounded dog that can do everything. Uh, and then when I get the dog back, 
then I build that trust, you know, a lot of playing catch on the beach, drinking margaritas, chilling out, eating hot dogs and bacon. No, no human food. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then we start integrating in the helicopter work. We start on towers and we get used to heights because like kids, dogs can be very scared of heights. So, so how do you, how do you teach them to, to be comfortable and, it usually starts with a work trip to Las Vegas where we get a room at the Encore Hotel at a really high floor, floor-to-ceiling windows, and I feed her every day at this, you know, 48th floor with her bowl looking down at the ground. And at first, you know, she doesn't really want to get in there, and then she eats a little bit, and she realizes, oh, this is life. It's fine. I'm okay. Uh, from there, we get into fast rope towers, rappel towers, and, you know— we start at 12 feet, we go to 15 feet, we go to 20 feet, we go to 30 feet, we go to 50 feet. Um, and then, you know, there becomes that bond, that trust that she knows that I will never let anything happen to her. Yeah. Um, I know that she'll never let anything happen to me or my family or my friends or my teammates. So it's it's a really nice, it's really, really, really cool watching that all kind of transpire with the dogs and just building up that teamwork. And now, you know, we could be on the edge of a cliff over a pool and I could send her and say, you know, give her her jump command and she will go, she won't even look over the edge. She'll just go jump, wow. which is, which is really cool. That's really cool. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. That's just thinking about that. I, I, I had one dog that I absolutely adored. I mean, I, I love all dogs, but, but I had one named Knuckles. He was a Cane Corso Italian Mastiff and he was nicknamed Knuckles or his name was Knuckles because his, just his white, uh, tips of his claws or his paws were, were white. Everything else was blue brindle. I thought you named and, Knuckles cause you're this badass fighter. <laughs> well, that, that, it just was fitting, very fitting. And he looked like a pit bull with steroids, um, but he was 165 pounds. His head was the size of a basketball or bigger. And I could snap, he'd sit, snap twice, he'd lay down. I could have him off the leash and he would just be right by my side. A squirrel could come. I, we lived in the mountains of Colorado. An elk, a deer, anything. And he would look at me and if I let him chase it, he would, but he was just the most obedient, most loving, unconditional love type of dog. Loved to wrestle, loved to like cuddle, snuggle. If uh, my, my recliner, uh, got this big divot in it, it didn't last as long as it probably should have because my big ass was in there and his head was basically next to my head and his butt was down by my knees. Cause he would just lay across me. So you had about 380 pounds of yeah. flesh yeah. in that recliner lazy built for boy. someone that's yeah. uh, 220. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I missed him. He he had stomach cancer and he passed away. We had to put him down only at four years old. And But I, I have a huge respect for people that can train dogs, gain that trust, even even turn dogs around if they've been kind of a, a bad dog. We I have a neighbor now and their dog is, I mean, I wouldn't want to say that it's too far gone, but it seems almost like a hopeless case. She's ran at my girlfriend's daughter and pulled her to the ground by her jeans. She's backed me into a corner, snarling, growling, drooling. And uh, you didn't fight that dog? I, I wanted to, but she was there saying, she's just playing. She's just playing. I'm like, she's not playing. Get your dog. And she's backing me in between the, the car and the wall in the corner of the carport in the garage. And uh, 
that dog just it sounds like the Sandlot dog. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of dog was that? Uh, it looks like it's a mix between like a boxer and a pit and something else. Maybe, maybe like a German Shepherd, but because it, it's got a little bit longer fur on it. But definitely a boxer and pits in there. Yeah. And, but it's got longer longer fur. Just a kind of. I mean, I love all dogs, but that one that one's been a little bit of a, a challenge for us to like. How do we handle this like with our neighbors? Because now they have to muzzle it anytime they take it out. They try to walk it around. It's trying to go at anybody and everybody. Every car that goes by. It's just. What, what would you do in a situation like that with a dog? I would tell them they better learn how to handle their animal. Yeah. You know, it's animals. Even Pepper. You know, when I first got Pepper, she bit me. Like we we faced off. Um, not all dogs are supposed to be house pets. Um, you set like your children, you want to set your animals up for success. Yeah. Um, and it probably roots, I don't know these people, but it probably goes back to how they work with their dog, you know? And obviously they're dogs that have certain fears, but like humans, you can work through those fears. You know, thunder is really hard, but you know, there's great CBD oils out there which can help bring down uh, and mellow dogs out during fireworks or thunder. You know, some dogs just don't like those sounds, and you can't really break that. But the aggression stuff, you can tamper that. Mm. Um, it just takes a strong will and a strong hand and, and willing to get bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying people should go try and do it themselves, but hire a dog trainer to teach you. Yeah. Um, hire a trainer to work with that dog. It's expensive, and I spend a lot of money on my dogs, but I look at my dogs as if they're part of my family. I want a dog that I can take to dinner with me. I want a dog that I can take on vacation with me. And like anything in the world, you get out whatever you put in. Mm. You know, So um, there are phenomenal trainers out there. There are people that speak dog and can work with your dog through anything. Uh, but... You know, you don't want, you don't want a neighbor getting bit by your dog. Like there's no world where I ever set my dog up to bite anybody that's not in a bite suit. You know, I'm, if there's any environmentals that I'm keying in on her getting uncomfortable with, we work it, we work it. You know, if, if, uh, one of the things, let's see, um, one of the things was, you know, Whenever anyone pulled a gun out, she wanted to go bite that person, you know, because there's a gun in his hand. I got to get him. But hey, baby girl, some of these people carrying guns are your uncles. So yeah. how do we work that? We we start just by having guns out and she gets to integrate and play catch and, and, and doesn't associate every gun being pulled out as a target to bite. So, you know, you can you can get creative with how you do it. Um, and now she's fine. You know, yeah. she's, she's completely focused and does what she needs to do. She knows what she has to get done. So, um. yeah. And for context for our audience or listeners, we met because of CBS SEAL team and how you guys rallied around a young man named Raiden and his little brother, Brock, and your character in CBS SEAL team is, uh, or SEAL team CBS, which was a way to well, say Well, we're no best. longer on CBS. We're on Paramount oh, Plus. Oh yeah. Paramount Plus. But, uh, it's called SEAL team. SEAL team. And guess what yeah. it's about? Seals, Navy arr, arr. Seals. Oh, Navy oh, Seals. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We play America's counterterrorism asset for the Navy. And it's a badass show, man. It's a badass group of people. It is. It is. It's such a cool group of people. I was really impressed by how many 
military veterans y'all had behind the scenes and in the scenes of the show. I wish I could take some credit for that, but it's all our leadership. Um, man, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Tell me about it. I've never served in the military. Um, I grew up, I never give a shit about Superman. Batman was cool and the Punisher was pretty cool. The rest of those superheroes weren't that interesting to me. My, my superheroes were special operations guys. Like I worshiped them. I still do. Um, so I came to work on this show and I got to be around a bunch of guys from SEAL Team 6, from Army Delta Force, from Rangers, from MARSOC, from Naval Special Warfare, and from the Air Force Special Operations Community, and a bunch of other, you know, amazing people on the show. But our leadership, mm. the executive producers, yeah. um, they were all about hiring veterans. And this show employed throughout the five seasons probably over 200 veterans, everywhere from executive producers to writers to directors uh, to actors to stuntmen to consultants. We had veterans in wardrobe, hair and makeup, electric, camera department, transportation, everything, catering. It was, you know, you come on set to our show and there are a lot of American flags flying on trailers. Um it makes me very proud to be part of that. Um, I love this country, no matter what's happening here, no matter how hard it seems, no matter how expensive gas is, no matter the violations of anything. It's still better here than anywhere else in the world. And I've it's been true. to those other countries. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is this is still this is still. The place to be, and I and and I'm proud of that flag, and I'm proud of the men and women that have sacrificed their time with their family and their lives to defend that flag. Um, and I'm proud to see it. And I'm proud to be part of it. And our leadership at the show has gone above and beyond anything I've ever seen in my life of trying to help veterans and help guys transition out of the military, bring them to Hollywood, uh, get them squared away, teach them. Most yeah. importantly, teach them. I mean, they've taken guys that have never directed and, and taught them how to direct, and they've directed episodes of television. <laughs> I mean, Tyler Gray, the guy who plays Trent, was a ranger, went to Delta, got blown up, got out. All he ever wanted to do was be a Delta Force operator and make movies, movies, television. And he got out, focused hard, worked hard, really sharp guy, really smart, and started consulting on movies and television shows and ends up directing. I mean, he's directed like three or four episodes of SEAL Team already. That's incredible. That's That speaks so highly of the leadership because Hollywood, you know, you hear that it's really hard to break in. Impossible. Yeah. And it's, and it's really uh, exclusive, right? And so to be so inclusive of like, hey, you want to do this? We're going to support it. Come on in here. Well, I just have to take a moment real quick and thank the sponsors of this show on it, on it.com slash overcome. You can save yourself 10% on alpha brain or new mood or total human. Some of my absolute favorites. And I'm just so grateful for their support. This show wouldn't exist without them. So thank you so much on it for sponsoring the show. And also thank you for helping me get optimized total human optimization. I also coin something maybe cheesy, but I think it's kind of cute. It's total humanitarian optimization. Oh, they help me when I'm going into a long meeting 
for development work, community development. And I just love the way that I feel getting into that flow state faster, feeling like I stay there longer and have had so many friends try it and absolutely love it. If you haven't tried it, you can try it for free. There's an Alpha Brain free trial. I think you get 15 days of free Alpha Brain. So please, what's the risk? Put it to the test. I would love to hear your feedback on it. Try it, the world-class nootropic that uh, really helps increase clarity, your memory, and I think it helps me engage in conversation and just feel like I'm firing on all cylinders so much better. So onit.com slash overcome. You can try it for free, Alpha Brain for free, and uh, you can save yourself 10% on all Onnit products at overcome or onit.com slash every time overcome every time onit.com slash overcome and at checkout don't forget to type in overcome yep thank you so much in fact for the veterans but also back to our story a little with Raiden and Brock I mean there was a really special moment where we were out there with Dita uh, the the dog that you had first in this in SEAL team and you were showing us some of her, whatever you call it, commands, tricks, like it was awesome. And Raiden and Brock were captivated. And because Raiden's little brother Brock was kind of already in the show, there was a moment where I forget who it was, but it was either the showrunner or the director we came over right there when we're in the yard with Dita. It was Spencer Hudnut, the yes, showrunner. Spencer, yes. And he surprised Raiden and the family and all of us at Fight for the Forgotten and said, we're writing in a character named Raiden. Giving me goosebumps yeah. right now. Oh, man. We, we were in tears. We were in tears. That, that's how, that's like, I'm going to cry. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard. A lot of people, you ask them about their bosses and their job and they'll make up some bullshit. But like, I love working for these people because of moments like that. Yeah. Like, that. No one does that in Hollywood. People don't do that. Like, this guy came down from his office, and he's busier than shit, to meet Raiden and Brock. And, I mean, something like that is just the the best gift you can ever give anybody. Hmm. It's just so incredibly thoughtful. And, you know, Raiden was having a really tough time in school. Yeah. And... How cool is it to be able to go to school and be like, that character's named after me on that TV show that everybody watches. Like, I yeah. mean, I love it. Yeah, we had, I love it. We got to have a, that's so true. We got to have a special premiere at the house where we got to watch the next episode before it came out. Y'all all came over to the Airbnb and going back to Raiden, whenever I, whenever I met him, he still had, it was, it was barely there, but he still had Sharpie Mark in his arm from where after he was bullied at school, beat up by the school or in the bathroom, in the urinal, then the next day at the bus stop and was given a concussion. And I took him to a doctor that diagnoses people and and fighters with concussions. And he was diagnosed with a concussion. We got him in the hyperbaric oxygen chamber for 40 dives, but he still had Sharpie mark whenever I met him in his arm that said he was, he was found writing. I want to kill myself on his forearm because of how humiliated he was. And it was posted all over Snapchat and Instagram through his entire school. Nobody stood up and said, this is wrong, that this shouldn't happen. Anything like that, except one, to me, the hero of the story was this girl named Emily. And she was a classmate. She showed her dad 
and said, don't you know somebody that does bullying prevention? And her dad was friends with Jim Stewart, who you met, our executive director. And Jim got me the videos and then we got with him. And it was, it was so cool that SEAL team and especially AJ Buckley that said, Hey, you know, whenever I shared the story, he was like, we want to bring him out to LA. We want to have him on set. We want to, we want to put him in the SEAL gear. And I don't know if you remember the video they made, but it was like with, uh, not welcome to the jungle, but it was something like that where he's, it's like a walkout song for a fighter and they make a video of him, just him and Brock, just, uh, all geared up. I don't know what the right saying is, but just has the gun, the helmet dressed up as a SEAL team on set with all you guys celebrating him. And I mean, it was just, that was a overwhelming show of support, love, generosity, the way that you guys rallied around them. And it wasn't just for like a scene. It was for days and days. We went to the LA Rams game with some of the guys. We went to medieval times and he got to go through night training as a squire with like uh, Judd and AJ and some of the guys. And I didn't get an invite to that. Yeah, that one. Well, everyone, everyone, I think you were probably up in the helicopter filming some scenes. And uh, were you there whenever we went up in the helicopter? No, but no, Kevin yeah. LaRosa set that up to take yeah. you guys up. Yeah, it was just so epic, man. We went to Disneyland. We went, I mean, it was for, not a lot of people do that. You can't do everything for everyone you at all try, times. Though. You can try. You can try. But sometimes you can do everything that you want for someone. And one life matters, right? And you can you can do it for everybody, but start with one person and I'll always go back to this moment with Raiden that like you guys, everybody on set, the leadership to the cast, to everybody, everyone behind the scenes, the camera guys, like it was a phenomenal, very unique, distinct group of guys that were like this kid. And you'll never forget about his brother, Brock or his mom, Scotland or his dad, Danny. It was it was a full court press. It was a, it was a bl- absolute blitz of like a, a love bomb of like, not, not like overwhelming them, but just like letting them know that he's loved. And, and we had that really special moment with, uh, Jack Carr where the trident pinning that on, on Raiden and just so many epic moments from that week in LA that just blew me away too, to be, be there. I think, I think my goal or my hope or my, my prayer was just like, whenever I got to meet Raiden, it was like, man, I just want to be the guy that I needed when I was 12 years old, whenever I was being bullied relentlessly in a similar way. And I had no idea that there was this group in LA that was just going to blow us away, blow him away, and just everybody step up to the plate. Everyone get off the sidelines or off the bench and just like impact this family's life. Like they're different that he's different. Now he is set up for success in a way he's been doing jujitsu. He got promoted. You made the video for him. He was so stoked to see that. And yeah. So man, just thank you. It's my pleasure and my duty as a human being, you know, life is short and there is no set amount of good that you have to do you have to do as much of it as you can Mm -hmm. and you know it's like you just said you wanted to be the person that rescued you at 12 years old there's no saying how much good Raiden's going to do and Brock's going to do when they grow up because people showed them kindness love and generosity 
they can pay it forward and maybe they help five people each and then those five people help another five people and then all of a sudden the world just becomes a little bit better yeah and uh you know it's try and impress that upon my kids all the time is kindness yeah kindness really counts um the world has a shortage of it and be an asset yeah. go out there and, and figure out ways to help people and it doesn't always mean just give money blindly to people, but your time creating experiences that can help shape somebody um, and give them a different view on the world, which will they'll take with them forever. So Yeah, that's really good. Um, we're going to get right back on that. This will sound like a side note. I'm going to talk to Mike real quick, and hopefully we can do something kind. I think Tank Tank is, is out here listening in, and hopefully we can get him a set of headphones so we can listen into our conversation instead of him just Tank, sitting out there. Tank, you give a shit what we're talking about? <laughs> you can hear us? Okay, great. Awesome. I'm glad he's there. And uh, that that really impresses me, man, because I think that oftentimes, and especially in the media today, and there have been some things that have gone on, whether it's military or uh, police, that that there's some bad apples. But I have met just the best people with such great, generous hearts that are there to be public servants and make a difference one life at a time or in a whole community or when shit hits the fan and things go down and they need a defender, they need a protector. Like these are the people that don't just have the heart, but they have the training and they have the willingness and they're ready to spring into action. And you are surrounded by that now, but how did we, how did you get here to this point? Like where did the kindness you, you have that kind of ingrained in you. It might have not always been there. Maybe something helped wasn't trigger always that. In there, but you know, you, you, you talk about a profession in America alone, you know, there's probably 800, 900,000 sworn law enforcement officers. That's across the board of federal, local, state level. You know, yeah, there's bad apples, but there's doctors that are bad apples that yep. molest patients when they're sedated. You know, there's yeah. dentists that will... Use that little drill thing in your teeth, you know, those yeah. bad apples. No, any profession, you're going to find shit bags. Um, but hands down, like, people become cops because they want to help people. You're not going to get rich doing that job unless you work in New York or California. Um, but for the most part, they do it because it's a calling. They yeah. love it. It's where their heart is and they love helping people and being there in somebody's worst moment, you know, mm. cause you never call the cops cause you're happy cause yeah, it's true. Cause you just got a great delivery of, of awesome pizza and you got your Coca-Cola and you're about to chill out and watch a football game. Like, no, you call the cops when someone's kicking in your door or something, you know, your kid is choking to death. You, you call 911 and, um, you know, they are there for you at your worst times. And, and that, that, that right there is a profession. Uh, it takes a very certain type of person. It's a calling. Yeah, it really is. So, yeah. um, I got into all this stuff back, uh, in my late twenties, mid twenties, I ended up getting really fed up with where my life was at. Um, I what was, were you doing at the time? I was working in nightclubs in New York city. Okay. Uh, early 20s, I started getting fed up and uh, kind of stuck with it because the money was good. 
There were boats in the south of France, private jets, five-star hotels, beautiful models, famous actors, great restaurants, you know, big fashion-y events and stuff like that and Met Galas and all that kind of stuff that most of society says is important. So, you know, at 20 years old, you're like, oh, cool. I'm really cool. I get to go do all this crap. Um, ended up getting kind of fed up with that. Didn't know what to do. Ended up doing fashion photography and it turned out like same bullshit, just different time of day. Uh, working during the daytime instead of throughout the night and ended up going to Uganda in like 2006. Um, a buddy of mine from the nightclub started a charity and he had built a well. And uh, because of the war that was going on with the Lord's Resistance Army, the LRA, most people know Joseph Kony. Yep. Uh, he became popular in 2012, but he was doing his business way yeah. earlier than that. Yeah. So because of the war, no one could confirm that the well was actually there. So I got a camera. I'm going to go for you. Give me gave me a GPS unit with the coordinates and went to Uganda and got lost there and found this well, got some pictures, fell in love with the country, had this amazing fixer there. She kind of ran like uh, a charity there that helped relocate women and girls that were being forced into sex trafficking into wow. schools in different parts of the country. Um, you know, most people are aware of the Sierra Leone conflict with the RUF, Blood Diamond, that yeah. whole movie with Leo DiCaprio brought a lot of attention to that. You know, those guys were funding their war through diamonds, through these diamond mines and using that money to buy their weapons. And uh, Joseph Coney was financing his war through human trafficking. So, yeah. you know, the young boys would be shipped off drugged, brainwashed, and turned into the fiercest little warriors ever. Um, and the girls would be sold into the sex trade. And uh, that's how he financed his his conflict. So this woman was doing amazing work, and I just kind of traveled with her for a month all over the country, documenting what she was doing, helping her get her content that she needed for her website to help raise money, stuff like that. And uh, I mean... It was wild. It was it was heartbreaking, eye-opening, like mm -hmm. and at times just completely inspirational. You meet people that never went to school, never went to college, you know, but but have more love and passion in their heart and more generosity in their soul, you know, than Bill Gates. Um, you know, just they'll give you the shirt off their back, their last drink of water, their last piece of food. And they will look after you uh, because they have good nature and good hearts. Yeah, some some of our well drillers used to be um, LRA mm -hmm. child soldiers, and we're actually building a health center and a school and a community hub in Uganda right now on the border of Congo. And so when I lived there, we were surrounded by forty four different warring rebel groups. But is that that's that's not Lake Victoria, is it? Uh, no, it's not. It's not Lake Victoria. So we're in the Renzori Mountains, okay. right on the border of, of Congo, the Similiki National Forest, um, right there, and uh, it's a it's close to a town called Budnabugio, and it's in western Uganda. And those little kids must be fucking terrified of you when you show <laughs> up. Uh, they call me the Vanilla Gorilla, and they've like ran and hit behind trees. I've had uh, spears and bows and arrows drawn on me in, in Congo, but man, there's something so true to what you say it was it 
changed and shifted completely my spectrum of like what matters in this world. Cause I, I was fighting and was on TV shows and, and different stuff. And there was models or whatever, like money and fame and different stuff. But man, I would get my hand raised and I would, I don't think in my first 13 professional fights that I ever smiled after any of my wins. I don't think I smiled once. I would get my hand raised and I would think, is this it? Is this all it while I'm in there? Is this, is this all? And so I got into partying. I mean, I had a surgery, got into like fighting addiction, all sorts of stuff, but it wasn't until I found people who had what the world would say is absolutely nothing. But yet to me and my experience with them is like, they had everything. They might've been like what you said, they might've been the poorest, but really they were so rich because of the love that they had for each other. I remember sitting down after a slave master paid one of these, uh, Mabuti pygmy kiddos in like 12, 10 or 12 peanuts. And he sat down next to me on a log and I'd been drilling the well all day. And, uh, he sees that I don't have food and he sits down by me. He's like, he puts his hand on my shoulder. He grabs my hand and opens it. And he puts like five or six of those peanuts in my hand, literally shared split his full day's wage as a, as a, as basically, yeah, child slavery, slave labor. He gave me half of his daily wage. And I was like, no, 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 I can't take this, you know? And he's like, eat, eat, eat. And he just wanted me to. So I luckily had a, a bar in my bag. So I went and grabbed that and split that with him and we shared that. But I was just like, man, this kid is willing to give everything because he just wants to make sure I have some food. He sees me tired. He sees that I've been working and he's been working and he understands like what hunger is and just literally gave me half his food for the day. And those kind of moments will shift your entire spectrum. So back to your story, you're there 2006, 2007, 2006. Okay. And you see all this and how did that work for you? Cause you were living your life kind of, you know, going to the parties and all those stuff, but then things started to shift for you. Things started to change yeah. and that you found purpose. Yeah. So from there I said, I want to shoot conflict. I mm. want to see what's happening in the world. I want to understand what's happening in the world. So just had some really, really great friends um, to help finance all this stuff and and went all over the world. Every war zone I could get into, I'd, I'd go to. And my quickest one was seven days, which was Yemen. Uh, that one was pretty rough. I bet. And got out of there really quick. Uh, but everywhere. Uh, everywhere a lot of middle east the middle east was really interesting to me i like the fact that i could blend in there um i could move around a lot easier than i could in in africa as a continent um asia was hard to move around in as well just because you look different yeah it looked different yeah. middle east i was able to really really get into it there um and then it all ended in Afghanistan. I went to Afghanistan for what was supposed to be like two weeks and ended up being three over three months. And, uh, and then I came back and wanted to join the military and didn't do that and ended up uh, getting into law enforcement and did that for a while. Still currently am, but just public resources kind of stuff, community outreach, and then uh, 
And then Hollywood happened just super randomly. Yeah. <laughs> All because of a dog. All because of Dita. Um, Is that right? Yeah. It was Dita? Yep. So ended up there and, you know, it was really cool because it put me in a position to do the kind of charity work that I want to do to be able to impact people's lives. Like working as a cop in a small town, like, yeah, I can help a little bit, but like not at the level that I can through, through this platform. That's and, awesome. uh, and it's really cool. Just, you know, it's, I've always said, you know, I don't, I'm not worried about Hollywood consuming me because, you know, I've been to all those places. I've stayed in those hotels. I've been on the private jets. I've been on the yachts. I've hung out with A-list celebrities. I don't want that. That's not interesting. I want to have my family. I want to raise my kids well. I want to be around my wife as much as possible. And I want to help people. Mm. Like I want, I want to get that message out there. Let's be kind. Let's figure out. Let's let's ask that person that's sitting by themselves how their day's going. You know, get a conversation started. Fightfortheforgotten.org. You can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. How do you speak to that where sometimes, especially maybe like the alpha men type or I remember growing up and, and having men in the family like saying, don't cry, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like and not, not really hearing or listening or asking any of those questions, right? Um, and I, I think sometimes kindness can be seen as a form of weakness or not as important as it really is. So how would you encourage someone to shift that, to know the importance of it? This podcast is called overcome. And the reason it's called overcome is kind of, I believe you, me, we, if we're sitting here today, if we have breath in our lungs and a beating heart in our chest, like we've, we've overcome a hundred percent of our darkest days. Now we get to whether it's these big bright lights, we get to shine our light or share our love and the kindness, put, put love and compassion in action in this world. That's the purpose of this podcast is hopefully to not just motivate, but empower people to go make a difference in this world. I, I hope that this will become one of the most meaningful podcasts that really equips people through real stories like your own to get out there and do it make a difference. Don't wait. Don't say when I have the money or when I have everything lined up, whenever it's the right time, like right now is the right time. 
whether you're getting paid in peanuts or whether you're getting paid in hard cash. The money doesn't matter. There's money everywhere that people can get for charity work and stuff like that, but time. Find something you're passionate about. Find something that interests you is the, the start, you know, whether it be rescuing puppies mm. or helping orphans in Romania, you know, find what is close to home to you because that will keep you going. Mm. Um, you know, my, my, my main focus is military charities. I really, really, really am passionate about helping Gold Star kids, kids that have lost their fathers or mothers due to service for our nation. Um, and and I love wounded vet stuff. Uh, I'd love to be able to contribute to, to their happiness. I mean, these people, these are people that have given their happiness so that I can sit down and enjoy my fucking latte at a Starbucks, mm. which I don't drink anymore because I only drink black, black rifle coffee. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I like to support veteran-owned companies when possible. Uh, nine times out of ten, if I can b buy it from a veteran-owned company, I will do that. Um, you know, these are, we're talking about a group of people that have sacrificed not only limbs or the possibility of dying for our freedom, but sacrifice things that we take for granted, our birthdays, our wives' birthdays, our anniversaries, Christmas, you know, our kids being born. Yeah. You know, people that have said, I'm going to go serve this country to ensure that future generations have these freedoms and give up my personal, my personal life for a year at a time sometimes, you know, to go ensure our freedom. So what, what's been one of your favorite moments of impact, whether it's you personally making that impact or even one of the charities that you support that you uh, enjoy seeing their, the difference that they make in people's lives. I love them all. Um, I love them all. One, one where one that made me incredibly happy was uh, at a CBS event. We met a double amputee in Pittsburgh, and he had called me up. You know, we kept in touch on Instagram, and he hit me up and said, "Hey, I got a question for you." I'm like, "Here's my number. Give me a call." It's like um, my service dog died. Uh, the gardener left the gate open and they ran out and got hit by a car and I need a service dog. Like, uh. do you know how much it would cost? And I'm like, uh, probably somewhere between 20 and 30 grand. Fuck. I, I don't have that kind of money. I'm like, I'm going to buy you a service dog. I don't know how, cause I don't have that kind of money, but it's like, I don't know how, but I'm going to get you a service dog. Give me, give me a little bit of time. So, uh, we made up the Dita skateboards and we were going to sell them for charity and uh, used that money and ended up finding a donor that just wrote a check right off the bat. So within like two weeks, we had the money awesome. for, his, uh, for his dog. And my buddy over at Rescue 22, John Devine, uh, who's a former SEAL, trained the dog up and got the dog delivered. And, you know, life is much better for him that's with awesome. that dog. You know, like that. that's a point where you can really give a gift that continues giving, giving. Um, which is really nice. But so for, so for people that don't understand and, and even clarity for me, how life changing will that be having a service dog? Like what does a service dog for, for I mean, this gentleman in particular, helps people? him stand up wow. out of his chair. Cause he's on two prosthetics. Yeah. Uh, can help him open doors, can help him 
do day-to-day life, get stuff for him, pick stuff up. Um, It's like having a personal assistant that you can have do anything for you. These dogs are trainable for anything. Yeah. Um, and it's a companion, a best friend. Yeah. I mean, like not being alone, having having someone there that has your back at all times that will literally die for you. I mean, a simple a simple thing is a dog coming up and resting their head on your shoulder when you're having a rough day yeah. will change your entire day instantaneously. What a gift. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Um, well, that's awesome. Have you ever heard of a charity called Folds of Honor? I have not. So Folds of Honor is out of Oklahoma. It's It's Tulsa. And I know the founder, his name is Major Dan Rooney. Actually, it might be Colonel Dan now, a uh, fighter pilot. And they've started a charity 10 years ago, I believe. And I think last year they raised $30, $40 million for families. I don't know if you call it Gold Star, but yeah, they, they lost, they either lost a parent in, in service. Uh, or they've been become disabled. And so they sponsor their private school or college or a lot of other things too. But um, they have big supporters like Budweiser and NASCAR, and they have a quick trip race that's just raising funds for Folds of Honor. But I got to go to one of those events and see the impact for someone that they've been with for 10 years, you know, a wife, and I think her three children, and them give a speech. And like it was waterworks in the entire room. It's like, man, this this matters. This is something to get behind. This is something to support. And I think I think it is unique, man. I think people all have it inside of them in their DNA. At least, I mean, before they were jaded or hurt and traumatized or whatever, or or, or got blinded by all the other shit in life. I think at the core of every human heart, like you, they want to make a difference for the most part, like, except for the real bad ones, but, and, and just be being there to give that opportunity for someone that can change their trajectory of their life. And so for you with pepper or Dita, and what are some of the moments you get to go out and do these like kind of public service moments where you get to see someone light up? Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's even just in the airport today coming in, you know, people recognize and they love the show and the the show has something special for so many people in so many different ways, whether their son served and it gave them an opportunity to kind of view the lifestyle or whether a father uses it who was at SEAL Team 6 and uses it to sit down with a 16-year-old son and kind of open up a forum to have conversations about why he wasn't there. Because, you know, we're not talking about a group Mm -hmm. of people that are opening up and talking about missions. But, you know, you open up a forum where the kid can ask questions and kind of get an understanding of what dad did. It was really cool. But, you know, it's there's nothing better and nothing better than meeting someone and putting a smile on their face in 10 seconds. Shake a hand, take a picture, tell a funny story, too. But like that is something that ends up having a lifelong effect and maybe not lifelong, but definitely makes their days shiny. And, you know, what does it take? Yeah. Two, two minutes, five minutes, you're a couple minutes late to meet somebody. You know, it's, it's just everything. It is absolutely everything. If you can put a smile on someone's face, that is the best gift you can give them. Yeah. Well, Pepper's putting a smile on my face right now. She got up and, uh, she, right. She got up and came over and Sitting by me, I mean, dogs do change the atmosphere. They change 
how you feel. What they do? Yeah. She sensed awesome. you needed a hug. Yeah, look at that. Well, what what is, so my mom has a German Shepherd and um, Dakota. And what what's special about German Shepherds specifically, their breed? I don't know anything about German Shepherds. Oh, is she not a German Shepherd? What is she? Sorry. She's a Belgian Malinois. A Belgian, okay, sorry. <laughs> I am, uh, I, I'm illiterate when it comes to dog breeds. Look at that. Um, so Belgian Malinois and Dutch Shepherds are a genetic blend between German Shepherds and prehistoric Velociraptors that the scientists inject methamphetamine <laughs> and Redcon 1 FUBAR pre-workout <laughs> into the cellular buildup of these dogs before they're hatched in Great. a Petri dish. Yeah. Uh, no, they are their own breed of dog. Yeah. They are high drive, not good pets. Do not buy one as a pet. Wonderful working dogs. These dogs will go till they die. They'll work themselves to death. They lock on and don't come off. Uh, these dogs give zero fucks, um, generally speaking. So great working dogs, and I'll say it again, horrible pets. You see them in the movies, see them on TV shows. They do really cool stuff. The amount of work that goes into getting them to be that way and be able to be social and around people is insane. It is a full-time job. It is like having another child. Mm -hmm. um, so do not buy one as a pet. I, I sadly feel responsible for so many of these dogs ending up in the pound mm -hmm. and in shelters because people see them on TV. They're like, oh, I want that dog. They see my dog on Instagram. Oh, I want that. They're beautiful. They're beautiful looking dogs. Yeah but they get them and they don't put the work in or they don't have the lifestyle that can accommodate it and the dog ruins their life. And when the dog ruins their life, the dog ends up in the pound. And that's just not fair for any living creature. Yeah, for sure. Well, what would be a suggestion then for if you get a dog and you're wanting to, if you have time, not necessarily for this breed, but like a good household pet that you could have or breed that you could have to, to love the family, to enjoy, to be able to train it, but also know that it's going to, it's going to listen. Um, no do you idea. have any I'm not a suggestions? dog guy. Okay. Well, Dita was the first dog <laughs> I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Wow. That, that amazes me because she was incredible. I got her for work and you know, there's, I can't take all the credit for it. You know, there's a lot of amazing people out there that helped me train her. Yeah. Um, I used all my resources in my network to get that dog where she was at. Same thing with Pepper. You know, it's, I do a very small part of it. Um, the team that goes into building these dogs and like, I'm lucky. I have resources that I can use for it. It's not realistic. You know, I've got at this point, not including food and vet bills, probably $68,000 into Pepper. Wow. You know, it's like, there's a, a lot, you know, it ain't cheap to do this. Yeah. Um, but if you were a billionaire and you wanted like the best dog, yeah, 75, 80 grand builds you the best friend ever. But that's not reachable for most yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, I need so much from this dog. I need this dog to turn it on when she needs to turn it on and turn it off when it's time to turn off. You know, whether we're doing a school appearance with the police department and teaching kids about dog awareness, taking the dog to recess to play with the kids or, you know, going into an elderly home or going into a VA or... 
doing whatever we can, you know, USO appearance, like, or on set, you know, lighting it up and nuking some, you know, terrorist that's running away. Um, it is, it's a full on, full on package right there. Yeah. What, what got you into, into acting? How'd that happen? Um, <laughs> never, never thought in my life I'd be an actor on a television show. It's, uh, it's wild. I showed up on the pilot episode because of the training value out of it. Um, you know, we had helicopters, CQB, fast roping, a uh, bunch of special operations guys working on the show. Like, I never thought I would be on the show seven years later, six and a half years later. Uh, it's wild. You know, the big man's got a plan, so just... Yeah. Just buckle up and enjoy the ride and do as much good as you can. Yeah. Well, on on kind of the subject of the show, what have been some of your toughest times to overcome in your life? Are there any challenges that you've, maybe you've seen leadership um, and the guys around you be able to come around and rally and support you through through something tough? Like get you give you that motivation to be able to be like, you know what? Like this is a great life challenge and this is hard. Fuck, it sucks. But I'm gonna get through this. In Hollywood? Whether it's Bro, in Hollywood we get, or life. We get protein shakes yeah. in between scenes. Come yeah, on, yeah. life is pretty easy there. Um God. Or maybe it's a principle you learn from those guys or just something outside. I think a couple of the amazing lessons I've learned from these guys is teamwork. Mm. Uh I've really learned a lot about teamwork over the past seven years. Um watching these these guys all the veterans on our set come together and actually work the problem and come up with asymmetrical solutions is, is really inspiring. Uh, and the never quit mentality, never quit. You'll get through it. It might be hard. It might not be pretty, but you'll get through it. Uh, I always joke with, our executive producer, Mark Owen, who wrote this amazing book called No Hero. And in No Hero, he talks about something called the three-foot world. And I think it's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. No matter how scared I am, if I'm, I'm terrified of heights, so, but I do a ton of rock climbing, a ton of you know outdoor activities, get into some pretty sketchy places, and... I always remember my three-foot world. I just stay in my three-foot world. I worry about what's three feet in front of me, and when I get through that, well, let's tackle the next three feet. Okay. And from there, you tackle the next three feet. And from there, you continue on, and by the end of it, you've accomplished whatever you set out to do. So not to let, not to let the big picture overwhelm you. Focus right in front of you, get through it, and do it right, and keep moving. Mm. And that's a really great lesson that I've taken with me since reading his book. So, yeah. So I, I hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. We did a fundraiser and I got to do it with, um, that's a cute little hill. Yeah. Yeah. It's 19,341 feet and it was more of a hike than anything, but it was not a climb, but it, it did get challenging when the air got thin and have you done it or no, no it was, it was. It was an experience, and I got to do it with a bunch of military veterans. Uh, half of them were NFL veterans. The other half were military veterans, and three um, 
had been injured in combat and were amputees. And two of those three guys made it all the way up. And it was kind of similar to that. The three foot rule is just like one foot in front of the other up this mountain. But there was a moment and I've never really thought about it or talked about it out loud, but we came up on a, we came up, it's the summit day. You start at midnight and you don't finish until 8 PM and you're starting at 15,000 feet. You get up to the summit and then you just start booking it down. And people, there were some people up there that had like pulmonary edema where their, their lungs are, are bleeding or, and it's not good. They have to rush them down. And so you can't stay up there too long. And anyways, we, we came up and there's this group, I think they were Belgians um, or yeah, I think, no, they were Aust- Aust- Austrian. And we get up to this false summit. We think we're there. And they're like, the summit's right there. And we stop looking at every, you know, our next footstep and just the guy right in front of us. And all of a sudden we see the spot and we're like, oh, and there's like flags and everything. It wasn't really it. It was like some other landmark. And all of a sudden we're like, we're there, you know, and like, we're just cruising thinking we're right there. And we get there and we're like, they're like, you're not finished yet. Mm -hmm. Like it's way up there. And so we had to go back and they had to remind us, just focus, keep going, just one foot in front of the other. That's all you got to worry about. Just, uh, don't, don't worry about where you're headed. Just worry about where your feet are at right now. So that's a great principle. And then in my life, man, I've, I've struggled with addiction. I've been to treatment twice. I've, um, uh, uh, two times suicide survivor actually attempted suicide twice in my life. I think a lot of it went back to my childhood and then also losing sight of purpose, not having it at first, then relapsing, losing sight of purpose, attempting suicide a second time. And I know that's a big issue for military veterans. Um, and that they'll go through bouts of depression, think about suicide or attempt or commit suicide. But in your line of work, how, how have you, personally, I guess, either dealt with that or helped others that have maybe gone through it. Maybe there's people that you come in contact with and remind them of a purpose that life's worth living. Sadly, yes, I have. And, uh, you know, each case is entirely different. I think you have to identify the problem first and then figure out the proper avenue of approach for it. Some people have been as simple as putting into rehab programs. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful veteran outreach programs. One of them is uh, Warrior's Choice and put some friends in there. Um, others, uh, it's such a sad thing, but you just have to remind people that you're being a fucking selfish dick by wanting to do this. I'm sorry. There's you you want to kill yourself that's fucked up but like think about how it's going to affect me think about how it's going to affect your wife your kids yeah. everybody else if you don't want to live for yourself fucking suck it up and go live for the other people and we'll figure out how to help you and get you right um but you got to i i just for me it's about reminding people that they need to live for the other people. If they don't have the strength for themselves right now, find it for the people you love because yeah. you're going to you're going to wreck a lot of lives if you're going to be this selfish right now. Um I don't know if that's the right approach. I'm not a doctor, but um I mean, it's just a fucking really sad reality that we have to live with right now. You know, 21 years of war. Yeah. A lot of guys have seen things, done things, responded to things 
that no human should ever have to. So thank God. Thank God we have such wonderful programs out there to help people. Yeah. And I think also another good thing is people are starting to talk about it more so that they can, can get help. Yeah. And there's not as much, there's still, I think when you're blinded by it, if I take myself back in those moments, put myself in the shoot, those same shoes again, you're blinded. I guess if I could relate it to something that might even go back to terrorism was, or, or military was, uh, someone asked me, why, why would you ever take your own life? Like we don't get it. It was actually in Africa. Whenever I shared the story that I used to deal with depression and I attempted suicide and the pygmy people literally didn't even know about suicide. One of the elders said they had heard a story one time of somebody that took their life. But whenever they live in a tribe like that, a village, like, why would anyone ever do that? Because it doesn't just hurt them. It hurts everybody. It hurts the whole village. Like, like we, the whole village needs that person. Why would anyone ever do that? They couldn't fathom it, couldn't understand it. I didn't tell them this there, but I tried to reconcile it. And I was like, well, in my mental health state that I was in then, it was like I was in a burning building. And I just wanted to get out. And the burning building was maybe in my mind. So I thought about almost the Twin Towers being hit and being one of those people. And uh, that is above being able to walk down the staircase. You think there's no way out. And so you look out a window and you think that's the easy option. That's it's, it's the lesser uh, bad option, right? Stay in the burning building and either burn, suffocate, or just jump and end it. And you're not thinking about everybody else. And it really sucks. Cause uh, in 20 from 2020 to 2021, I lost seven friends. Five were by suicide and one was by overdose. Um, and, uh, the other was a natural cause, a uh, heart attack. And in those moments, I'm just like, man, like most or all of them knew, like I had been there. I had attempted it not once, but twice. Like you could have come to me, you could have talked to me about it, you know? And I shared the eulogy at two, at least two funerals. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think that, I think that you're saying the right things where there are these moments where one, there's resources and there's a lot of great places that will help you because the first time I went to treatment, not all treatment places are created equal. And I went to one that wasn't very good and it's very shame-based. The second one I went to, man, it was life-changing, life-saving. The people that were there were salt of the earth. They weren't like shaming you. They were loving you. They were holding you to high accountability and standards and they'd show you your shit. They'd be like, look, this was selfish and this wasn't good. And you got to suck it up and you got to do the work and you've got to. And I had some breakthrough therapy sessions that really literally changed the whole trajectory of my life. And moments like Raiden are able to happen because of people that, that really rallied around me in my darkest time. Yeah. And so I'm really grateful for, for people like that, but also guys like you that are willing to, to speak up and even share that knowledge because sometimes you need a jarring thing to be said. That's like, hey, if you're not going to live for yourself right now, live for the people around you. I mean, it's, as, a, as a new parent, I'm learning this as well. It's like sugarcoating shit isn't always the best option. Mm. You know, people have the ability to understand. You need to let them know what the fuck is up. Mm. It's I, no one needs to go through it alone. Nobody. It's, we're not met. We're not built. We're not designed to go through it alone. Um reach out to your friends you're not burdening somebody you're going to burden them if you're not here because you're going to consume their mind and their heart for a long time mm. 
it's to hear the hard facts and and to get that little shake to come to and get the help you need. It ain't going to be easy, but nothing in life is easy. Got to do the work and and as friends, we got to be there for people we love. Yep. I mean, even fucking strangers, man. Like, no, nobody should have to do it alone. We're all we're all cut from the same cloth. Yep. I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, American, Native American. You're we're all the same blood. We're all the same heart. And people people just have to learn to be there for each other. And people also need to learn how to ask help for help sometimes. Yeah, but. Asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a, it's a sign of strength, I think. And then, uh, yeah, you reminded me, cut from the same cloth. There was a moment in MMA that I got to honor kind of an MMA legend. What's MMA? Mixed martial arts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so in fighting, there was a guy named Ginky Sudo. Have you ever heard of him? No. He fought in Pride, which was over in Japan, and he was epic. Now he's like some japanese pop rock star i want to fight him can you set it up uh you don't want to fight i want to actually i want to fight him you're probably bigger than he is i like fighting yeah (laughs) you believe it or not i don't watch mma okay not into violence yeah i don't mind it i just prefer to yeah well for me it's not violence it's uh i mean it is but it's it's a human chess match it's an art form it's It's an an ancient art form yeah and there's this guy named ginky sudo that that had a moment that was so epic he fought and he, he had the dopest walkouts ever. And one time he wore like a KFC hat with like fireworks coming out of it. Like KFC like bucket on his head. Wait, did you beat him or did he beat you? No, I, I haven't fought this guy. He was he was an old school Oh, that's guy. a challenge. Yeah. No, he, he's, he's a lot smaller too. I think he's around 145 pounds and I'm 260 right now. But he, he walked out and he had a, a flag one time and it was every flag of every nation. And in the center, it had this thing that said, we are all one. And so one time I honored him, I had that same flag and I, I held it up after a fight, but it was, it was awesome. It was this epic moment in MMA where it was just like, you know, he was fighting for something different. I think, I think fighters just like military veterans, military veterans on a different level. That's a, that's, that's war. That's a real fight. But in sport, I mean, these guys have kind of warrior hearts and the people that usually win it's, it's probably the person with the most reasons that usually wins. It's the person that, that has something to fight for, not just themselves, but their family, their country, or like some bigger, greater purpose, like Ginky, like saying, Hey, all this stuff that's going on, like, remember we're all one, you know? And so I, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate seal team, all you guys and, um, to respect your time and, get you out of here and, and tanks time as well out there. Is there anything that you would want to leave the listener with anything that, uh, you'd want to share? I think we've touched on everything. You yeah. know, if I could reiterate just one thing is life is short. Mm. It's very fragile. Um, we've got a defined amount of time here on this earth and try and do one thing every day to help somebody. Yeah. You know, whether it be, calling someone just to check in on them and ask them how they're doing or finding a charity that you're passionate about and, and helping raise money for them or donating your time to feeding people. Find one thing every day that you can contribute to our world to make it a better place. Do you have any tips or ways that you've kind of been able to tune in, draw in, or have this awareness 
about you to have your head on a swivel looking for a, a way to make a difference. It's just something that, that I'm passionate about. You know, I've been very fortunate in my life, uh, and I want to pay it forward. It, it's become my mission to pay it forward. And, you know, just whatever I can do to, whatever I can do to make someone's life better, it's, I'm up for it. Yeah. I, it's something that I find to be incredibly important because if we're not good humans, what are we? Mm. Mm. We only have this one life. That's so true. Did you have any, I mean, you're just spurring some questions where did you have any models or role models or people in your life either at an early age or was it in 2006? Charlie Sheen. No, um, <laughs> he's pretty cool. But uh, it really happened on my trip in Afghanistan. You know, I never really had a dad. Uh, my dad was great as a kid and kind of just checked out by the time I was 13 and was just kind of there, but not really a dad and kind of grew up without a dad. So, you know, it's hard to learn how to be a man if you don't have a man to look up to. Um, that trip to Afghanistan, I, you know, being embedded with the troops and living in such close quarters for such a long amount of time and not comfortable situations and watching some of these guys and the way they led their their troops um the way they looked after their kids their boys um you know i was kind of like wow like that's the kind of guy i want to be like that's do you remember anything specific that stands out to you of like the way that they operated or cared about each other everything everything from the moment they woke up it was about getting, teaching their kids how to survive, getting them fed, getting them back to back to base, making sure they got home from deployment. Obviously, it wasn't always successful. People died, but it's war, and yeah. sadly, that is the biggest cost of it. Um, but these guys, you know, I had one guy, Captain Eric Viennin, actually, and uh, just watching the way he'd lead his troops, I was like, dude. I mean, that, that's who I wanted to have as a father growing up. Um, like that, I mean, I could have been, I think I'm doing okay right now, but I think I could have been an exceptional human being if that was my dad from birth and I learned everything from him. Um, there are really, really incredible people out there. Yeah. Sometimes you're not born to them, but you, God puts you in their path and you get to learn from them. And was it was that a reason or what was what was the reason you went from maybe a two week trip to a three and a half month trip? Just it was the stories coming out of there. Mm. The, being with these guys out on these missions, seeing what how they were impacting the lives of the Afghani people. Uh Af you know, Afghanistan, the culture is amazing. I mean, the people are incredible. They're strong. And they were just getting the short end of the stick from the Taliban. And watching what these troops would do uh, with initiatives back home here in the States or their schools or their church groups uh, or their communities and raising school supplies everything from backpacks to pencils, you know, and, and taking them out and distributing them, not through the U S government, but like 
through their community and gathering all these supplies, having them shipped over and, and taking them out and distributing them to these kids to ensure education. Because, I mean, we all know education education is the only future. Without yeah. education, you have nothing. And, uh, you know, whether it be taking med supplies to remote villages and, and helping doctor up the sick. Like, I mean, these people putting 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 their mouth where their money is putting their money where their mouth is however yeah, that yeah, saying yeah. goes um they really really inspired me and i really felt honored to be able to be a part of it and be there with them and that's why i kept staying i think it's a really interesting thing to think about because now your role that you kind of just stumbled into or found uh, just serendipity, right? Like you're there, synchronicity and you're there. And now it's almost a way that you're honoring and not almost, it is a way that you're honoring them, their stories, what they modeled in front of you. Now you're modeling it to a mass audience with an incredible group of people, the leadership all the way down. And I just, I, I find that pretty, I feel pretty lucky amazing. to be there, man. Yeah. Um, I feel lucky to be part of it and be able to be part of that journey because it is wonderful. Do you think it would have happened if you didn't have that experience uh, that you went to all these different places? And I don't think it would have happened if I didn't have the dog. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's all it's all part of the big plan. You never know. Yeah, you know. Well, any any plans that you have moving forward? What's next or or? What are you hoping to barbecue? To barbecue. I'm in Austin, okay. Texas. Yes. I'm gonna go eat some barbecue. You going to Terry Black's? Where are you going? I don't know. Tank, where are you taking me, buddy? Maybe Valentina's, something like that. So somewhere good. I gotta yeah. feed this beast. Okay. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here. It's Thanks an honor. I'm humbled that you came and spent your time with us today. Um, I know that people are gonna really be inspired by this episode. Where can people? find you follow you and uh check check things out where can they watch the show they can watch the show on paramount plus yeah um check us out on instagram justin melnick pepper the duchy if you like dogs pepper the duchy um yeah and what nights are is the show on on paramount we're every streaming. night now because yes, we're streaming that's awesome i love it cool so i'm gonna go binge it and catch up and uh i'm grateful for you thank you for being here thanks for having me it was an honor yeah Let's fight. <laughs> hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren. 